0: You're listening to The Dealmaker's Edge with A.Y. Strauss, diving deep into stories behind commercial real estate leaders. Well, today on the podcast, I'm joined by Chris Palermo. He's the co-chairman and founder, managing principal, First National Realty Partners, one of the nation's leading commercial real estate private equity firms, uh, deep emphasis on the retail sector, grocery anchor retail se- sector. And he's grown a fantastic business. And Chris, welcome to the show. I'm really happy you're here. You've got a lot of great things to share. Hopefully, we could start off with just, you know, two to three minute background of your biographical sketch, so our listeners could get to know you more. Sure. Thank
1: you having uh, having me here today, Aaron. Really appreciate it. So again, I'm founder, managing principal of First National Realty Partners. We're a vertically integrated private equity, commercial real estate operator, and fintech company. Our primary asset class is necessity-based grocery anchored shopping center. We have a national focus with a strong emphasis on secondary markets. We're looking to acquire either the number one or number two center in the market. Our company was founded by myself and my partner, Tony, in 2015. Uh, we closed on our first transaction in March of 2016 which was a 9,000-square-foot mixed-use building up in North Jersey that we paid over $500,000 for. At the time, we had myself and my partner, Tony, and one assistant. So we had one employee. Fast forward six years, and we are a fully vertically integrated CRE platform with 95 employees. We currently have a portfolio of over 7 million square feet spread out between 54 properties and a portfolio value just over a billion dollars. And what's unique about our business is we sourced all of our capital
0: exclusively from high net worth investors. And that's a great overview. You're clearly um, somebody who's built a very special culture at your organization, which I've read about, which we talked about at length before, which I want to get into too. But maybe to start, you give a little bit more of a background before you launched the company. Maybe give us a brief sketch, you know, how you found yourself launching the company, how you got into it.
1: Sure. Before uh, First Nationals founding, I was in the uh, financial services business. So basically I was raising money for other people's deals, both equities and private deals. I mainly focused on uh, private deals and it started way back in the year 2000. I was going to college and not that I was going to some great college, but I decided to get a job at a brokerage firm. The name of the firm was Ladenberg Thalman, and it was in Long Island, New York. So I said, I, I, I told my parents that, hey, I wanna go in this field My mother, who was an English teacher, said, absolutely not, you have to go to college. So I decided to juggle both. That worked for about three semesters. I passed my Series 7, so I was completely licensed and and getting ready to work with the public. The first day that I was licensed, the market was, you know, completely, it crashed. It was literally right at the uh i guess you'd say the beginning or actually at the end of the tech crash that happened in the year 2000 so it was pretty tough but needless to say i worked my tail off by that summertime, i was doing so well that as far as income i was doing better than both my mother and my father and at that time i was 21 years old so needless to say the following year i didn't go back to college by the Mm. time i was 21 years old i owned my own osj which is like your own uh securities branch uh, of a uh, brokerage firm, and, and I started focusing on alternative deals. I didn't like, let's say, the equity markets for the simple fact that there was no edge. There was no ability for you to go in, take something, and make it better for for your own work. And I always really admired that. And you know, the 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 customers that we were working for, whether it was uh, private real estate organizations, or other founders of other companies, I really always loved you know, how they were able to build their business, how they were able to add value, and they were really laser focused on what they were doing. Me in the financial services business, you're really just a, you know, you're an order taker, you're you're a service provider, it made a lot of money, but it wasn't, it wasn't what I wanted to do. You know, I would say after 14, 15 years of having a, you know, an incredible career, I made a lot of money, very rewarding, did really well. I said, you know what? We under, we've read and, and been around this business for so long. We understand everything that goes into structuring these deals. Let's go out, let's get out of our comfort zone, and let's start our own private equity shop. Let's focus on real estate. We both had an incredible passion for real estate. Uh, my family, my grandfather was in real estate, and I can remember the times from when I was seven years old uh, being around the table. And, and you know, he would explain to me his successes in real estate, talking about how to master the English language, how to build a business. And it's really just what we wanted to do. So we literally left our career and we went and we started uh, First National Realty Partners. In 2015, we closed on our first transaction,
0: which was a $500,000 transaction Six years later, we're over a billion dollars. Chris, I know you've built a fantastic team. You've really invested deeply in your organization, not just the the properties, but your your team is world-class. And to find star people and to build that special culture, describe how you've done it. it. That's one of the absolute hardest things to achieve in business. Well, you have to be able to hire people
1: based on competency and based on how you view the world. At the end of the day, if we have our entire organization laser focused in the same direction, we're going to be be able to elevate each other's game. So, you know, for us, at First National Realty Partners, we have the six-step hiring process. We have the screening interview. Then we have our competency interview. Then we interview based on each and every single one of our core values. Now, if the candidate passes the competency in the screen, and they miss one of our core values, we will not hire them. And the end result of that is, is that, you know, we have right now hundred full-time employees or 95 uh, full-time employees. It was, it was very hard to go out and, and run this process, but the result is, is we could do the work of probably a hundred people, uh, 200 people, excuse me. We have just an incredible amount of enthusiasm Everybody treats everything that they do like they own it. Everybody's an entrepreneur. There's an incredible amount of enthusiasm. People understand that the success that they have is gonna create success for them. And we're we're all uh, bought into what our overall mission is. As one of the founders of the company, there's nothing better in the world and nothing more rewarding. Forget about money, forget about fame, forget about success. Being able to know that you can rely on, on incredible team members to go out and fulfill a vision and the funny thing is this aaron we created such a culture that i would bet you a nickel that some of the people that work within our organization really wouldn't believe that they were capable of the success and the strides and the growth that they were able to accomplish outside of working within our organization in other words the system that we're following is really getting the best out of everybody. And we're just building on those uh, successes. It's like, you know, when, when they tell somebody who's, you know, active, uh, being active will make you become even more active. Well, the success that we're getting and the teamwork and the camaraderie is be getting more success and, and we're able to do incredible things. We beat our goal last year in acquisitions by almost 70%. And the reason why we're able to do that, of course, is because of the team that we have.
0: Well said and a great answer. And I know, you're, you know your culture is sort of a lagging indicator of your brand or vice versa, but but your brand is your culture and your culture is your brand. And the reality is that your team has performed, you've performed to put the team together. And I know even in December, you went on a massive tear to close out the year. Maybe you could talk about some of the fundamentals, um, obviously grocery anchored, necessity-based shopping centers, as we, we've talked about have performed incredibly well. It's, it's a wonderful moment uh, for the asset class that you're in. Um, but somehow you continue to find deals to execute and close on. Uh, maybe you could talk about the fundamentals generally in the market you're seeing for these types of assets, the competition on them, and you know, you may have the best team, but you still have a super hot market for that asset. How are you competing in getting those deals done? It's a, it's a great question. Believe it or not, our space is a very small business.
1: For the big players, everybody knows one another. And the most important thing is sure to close. It's not as much as price as they know that the operator that they're going to award the deal to can close. And you know, over the last five or six years, uh, First National has performed incredibly well. We didn't say exactly what we said we were going to do. We were a lot more nimble and we're less of a pain to work with in comparison to some of the big institutions. So when this market started to explode, let's say over the last year, we were positioned very, very well to take advantage of that growth. But if you ask me, what does it come down to? How do you become successful? It's, it's very, very simple. You have to source and underwrite a significant amount of deal flow. That's what it comes down to. The more deals you look at, the more opportunities you're going to have, the more home runs you're going to have. And for us, when we started the business, we, we learned very, very quickly that although a lot of real estate companies are hyper-local and hyper-focused, For what we do and what we specialize in, which is relationships, national brand tenants, people that are in a bunch of places that we would have to spread out our geographical focus, leverage off of the law of large numbers to be able to find those incredible assets. And that's exactly what we did. And, and, you know, again, going back to our employees and our people, we were able to make that transition, but we were able to perform incredibly well by going national and not being hyper local. So, but again, it comes down to underwriting a significant amount of deal flow. Uh, You know, we're a FinTech company and a real estate operating company all in one. So we're using different tactics, I think, than a lot of other people are. And, you know, it's all about sourcing the
0: deals. And you also talked about certainty of closings. I mean, I'm a real estate lawyer, so I've certainly seen a lot of deals blow up for hundreds of different reasons. One of the things I know you pride yourself in is your work. You know, you get a deal under contract, you don't retrade. You know, you get a reputation for certainty of closing when you say what you do, do what you say. And I think that's really, worn out really well for you and, and your reputation, which has preceded you. So that certainty of execution, I, I agree with you. It, it's more valuable than the highest price. So that's, that's been amazing to see as well. It's your culture. It's your tenacity. It's your special team. It's your drive, your ambition. Um, maybe we could talk a little about adversity. I mean, you're very, very entrepreneurial. You're doing so many deals. I know sometimes people want to hear about some of the setbacks too. You know, you've grown fast, so it's it's never a perfectly smooth ride. Maybe you can talk about some of the struggles you've had as you've built the business. Well,
1: I think that you know the biggest setback that we had, or the biggest adversity that we've seen, was naturally coronavirus. You know, I've been through the the, the tech crash in 2000, the financial crisis in 2008. Coronavirus literally came out of nowhere. Uh, the government shut down the entire country and we were thrust in a situation that, you know, we weren't expecting. And, and our team responded incredibly well. We, we transitioned from a CRE team to a, uh, almost like a crisis team that would, you know, go and rebuild a, a state after a huge hurricane, we were reaching out to mom and pop tenants. We were arranging PPP loans. We were doing whatever, everything that we could to make sure that we were being proactive and we were servicing our tenants you know, during this, you know, uh, tough time, and also uh, articulating what was going on to our investors. The end result of that was, is we had, you know, two months of uh, tough time, but the, the goodwill that we uh, garnered from our tenants was just incredible. And, and we're talking, you know, the national brand tenants, it really set the stage for us to have massive growth uh, over the last couple of years. And then as far as, you know, other adversity, look, we're we're a business disruptor. The way that we're running our model is different than traditional private equity companies. we and and the way that we do it as as a you know as a, a sponsor or an operator, we go and raise our own capital. We're probably ten times larger and growing ten times faster than our nearest competitors. So we're constantly in no man's land. We're constantly trying to figure out what the roadmap is, how to be able to do our marketing, pull in investors. There's so many different facets that work into our business, that we're never 100% satisfied and we, we're never, we, we don't feel 100% safe. I don't know how much you're focusing in on this space and, you know, and how we run our niche. The market for alternatives and the way that we do our business over the last, let's say, three or four years has completely exploded. We are pretty much, let's say, at the top of the mountain or one of the biggest. Being at the top of the mountain is, is a temporary place. And I always try to tell our people that, like, you know, the best sporting coaches, it's a great view, but eventually you're going to have to come down because there, there, there are always people that are nipping in your heels. So I always want to try to bring ourselves back down to center and figure out a way for us to go and climb that mountain, recreate ourselves. And that's really the key uh, to success in this business. But with all that, there's, there's adversities in all different avenues, whether it's uh, sourcing deal flow, uh, marketing. You just have to adapt to it. You have to leverage off your team. You have to have the trust in your team, and you have to work through the issues. And for us, we use a system operating system. It's called EOS. That's the acronym for Entrepreneurial Operating System. It was created by a guy. A, a guy his name is Gino Wickman. I don't know if you've
0: ever heard of him before or read you know, the book. Yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic book, and it's also tied to another book um, called Traction. Traction, yeah, Traction and, and uh, Rocket Fuel. So
1: it's we we adopted that system again. We we are always focused on the process, fulfilling the vision, focusing on what the biggest issues are that we have. How can we create opportunities? And and we we read uh, Vern Harnish's book, which was Rockefeller Habits, and we thought it was a little cumbersome. So you know we were always searching on what would be the best operating system for us to be the most efficient. We ended up going with EOS, and and what can I say? It was an absolute game changer for us. You know we focus on. Our business, we have our uh, long-term vision. Let's say, let's call 10, 15 years. We have our, let's say that's our ultra long-term vision. Then we have our long-term vision, which is three years. But most importantly, we really focus on 90 days at a time. We focus how we can change our business in the short term. We focus on the biggest issues that are plaguing us and the biggest opportunities. And by having that open forum with all of our employees and all of our employees and with their own division having you know, this meeting, it really forces everybody to get on the same page, talk about, tackle the issues and figure out as a team, not as a singular person, but as a team, what's the best best path forward. And, uh, you know, as I said, you know, mm-hmm. the, the results of implementing that year over year, our growth as an organization has, you know, been 50 to a hundred percent
0: plus each and every year. I love it. And I've read that book traction to a couple of times. It's amazing. And, the book you might like is The 12 Week Work Year. It seems like you're doing a lot of that stuff already. If you haven't read it, I'll send it to you. But it, it's really amazing to hear from the inside out how you're organizing the troops and executing. Now, um, you're managing a lot and you're dealing with a lot of stress. You know, it's obviously a lot of good stuff going on, but how do you find that balance? You know, are you doing anything on the personal side to balance your mind together with all this massive action you take?
1: Sure, sure. So you know, I I love being out in nature. I love. Uh, hanging out, with my family. I have a beautiful family, two da- two beautiful daughters. I uh, I enjoy fishing. I, I'm blessed to live very close to the water, and uh, I have a boat. Uh, you know, I go out fishing in my free time, and and of course, I nothing better than uh, sourcing off market deals in your free time as well. <laughs> 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 but but what's, what's funny is this: when you have an incredible team and you have an incredible trust in your team. And of course, we have stress day in and day out. It's very, very manageable. I was a lot more stressed 15 years ago when I didn't understand what exactly my vision was. Now we understand exactly what we're gonna do. You de-risk your stress or or you, you limit your stress by putting the work in up front. So our trust in our team's ability to put in the work up front, to measure 10 times, cut once underwrite the deals properly line up all the financing have all the meetings all the tenants that we have and really do it all in unison really alleviates the stress i know that when we're getting a deal on the contract barring a an act of god or an underground oil well that nobody ever knew about we're going to 100 percent close on the property because our strike force went out our underwriting team had accomplished all the due diligence our uh, loan originator Looked at everything, and we, we measured ten times a cut once. So sh- sh- the stress that I have now is not even comparison to the stress that I had years ago, and the responsibilities that we have, I have, and that the organization has is significantly larger than we were. But again,
0: the team makes everything easier. It's amazing. It's a really great story, Chris. I mean, I could tell this stuff runs in your blood, and you're executing. And I love the way you're adopting EOS, and your team is aligned. Um, you're buying great assets. I think how many deals did you close in December just for the record? I think that we closed 171 million in transactions
1: and I want to say that might have been spread out between 8 or 9 deals in December, right? In December, so, yes. I try not to focus on the numbers. I really and I don't focus on the money. I focus on the process. I focus yep. on the vision. I focus on the people. If you focus on those three and most importantly the why, everything else will fall into place. The money, the success, you being successful as an organization will be a byproduct of you having all of
0: those set up correct chris i i could not agree with you more and so many people think chase dollars chase this number chase this but it's it's truly about becoming the person and or the organization that attracts it to you and is capable and appropriate to be in that position you've, you've created so um, I don't know if there's anything else you'd like to add. If you were to sit down with somebody, I know you advise a lot of people in the commercial real estate industry, say somebody gets on your calendar for coffee, you know, wants to break into commercial real estate, specifically your, your niche in the industry. Um, what are you telling them? Well, I would say this, and this would be for anybody in any business,
1: any entrepreneur that was looking to be successful, I would say this. You're, you're capable of doing things that you never could imagine. Stay true to yourself, do what you love, always ask for help, be good to people, focus on the vision, the process, the people, and the why, and make sure that your business is a win-win model for everybody. If you do that, you can scale and work in any business you want.
0: Very, very true. Well, Chris, uh, that's a wrap. I I really want to thank you again so much for being a guest on the podcast. It was a lot of fun. I think everyone will learn a lot and looking forward to speaking again real soon. Aaron, it was a pleasure. I've listened to all your other
1: previous podcasts. They're incredible. Keep up the great work. And I look to speak with you uh, in the near future. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for joining The Dealmaker's Edge. Don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a five-star rating so more people can follow the conversation.